inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas, and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya, and welcome to Time to Shine. Hello, and thanks for joining. Uh, this episode is going to have a lot of artistic touch in a different way that we have seen before. And for this, we have as a guest, Dr. Ira Virtanen. Ira Virtanen is a researcher in communication. She specializes in interpersonal relationships and supportive communication, in particular in the friendships of boys and men. Ira trains companies, non-profit organizations, and the research community in effective public speaking and interviewing skills. She's also known for reciting poems, a hobby she took on as a young child and in which she has even competed. For the past decade, Ira has been an artistic member of the Finnish Poem Readers Association and a founding member of the poem reading group Sita Pitain. She has worked as a university lecturer in communication at the universities of Tampere and Helsinki in Finland and as a ASLA Fulbright Scholar at Purdue University in the United States. Ira is passionate about opera and sports, so you can spot her at any major volleyball tournament or opera house such as La Scala and the Metropolitan. Hello, Ira. Hello, Oscar. A pleasure to uh, speak with you today. Yeah, it's, it's really nice to uh, talk with you. And yeah, um, I've been La Scala only at the frontiers of the of La Scala and never to the Metropolitan. So there are very f few chances I will meet you uh, around there. <laughs> I highly recommend going. It's a mind-blowing experience just to be inside the house. They have so much history in them and so much talent. It's just a wonderful experience. <laughs> Right, excellent. Um, well, tell us what have you been doing lately? Well, I'm currently working on a re research project um, with a grant that I received from the Finnish Cultural Foundation. And as you mentioned, um, my research concerns supportive communication, which I've looked at in various relationships. But at the same time, uh, I am for example, writing an article about the experiential and communicative nature of poem reading and performing poems. So I'm looking forward to a very fruitful conversation about poem reading with you today. Aha. So this uh, poem reading started as a hobby, then you joined some association. Now, now it's part of your research. Yes, I... Ever since I was a, a small child, I loved reading and loved reading poems. And in my school, I was born up north in Finland. Mm -hmm. And in our school, we had competitions for poem reading. So I started very young. I think I entered my first competition at the age of nine. Mm -hmm. And during my teenage years, uh, like many other teenagers, I wasn't uh, happily performing uh, at that point, but I, I wrote my own poems and I entered a upper secondary school of performing arts in Helsinki in which um, they had poem reading as one of the courses. And it kind of um, brought me back to my childhood and ever since I've been I've been doing it in, in rather an active way. And in university, 
uh, since my background is in communication, we had courses in oral interpretation. And that's the time where we founded with my student friends, the poem reading group, in which in English, uh, if we translate it directly, it's, it's about from then on, the literal translation. Uh-huh. And it's quite a, a interesting story how we we founded um, the poem reading group, and the name actually comes from Pablo Neruda's poem mm. um, because the Chilean embassy was hosting Pablo Neruda's um, centennial event and wanted somebody or some people to perform his poems, and they contacted the University of Helsinki and the communication department. So we made a group. Um, of people um, to read his poems and it was very well received. So we thought, let's start doing this. And we did it for a decade. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. And you believe that reading poetry can be very beneficial for speakers, right? And why is that? Well, I'm of the opinion that poetry can greatly enhance one's public speaking and speaking in public in general, because if you give interviews or you attend debates or argue and persuade other people, um, poetry can really help you to come up with um, colorful language and things that call to people and speak to their hearts and souls. Because in short, um, a great speech Uh, really talks to the listener in their own experiential worlds. So if you want to be an effective speaker, you you also give talks that are appropriate to the situation and its content and its delivery. And in order to do that, you need to distinguish the goals of each situation where you're giving a speech. And that means you need to know your own goals as a speaker, but you need to also recognize the goals that the listeners have. And when you analyze and anticipate the goals, and if you're able to meet those goals, then we can consider that your speech is a success. And those goals can vary. They can be a goal to impress or persuade or inform, move, um, call for action, celebrate, any number of, of goals you can have. And when you're distinguished your goal, You need to choose the content of the speech, the way that you address the concerns that the listeners have. And that comes down to the words and particularly to the words that the listeners are familiar with. So it's easier to, for example, uh, move people with words and concepts that speak directly to the audience in their own ways, in their own experiential nature. So. Most often opposing the audience is a bad choice. So finding common ground and finding a space in which the speaker and the listener are equal or uh, recognize the similarities in each other is most beneficial. And I think poetry describes those experiences that we share, the human experiences, because poetry, in a sense, is the essence of language. And I think language is the mirror of the soul. Um. Yeah, I think if you think about poetry and how you could use that in public speaking, um, there's three points um, to consider that are very important. Um, For example, imagery. That's the first. 
Because language for us represents the sensory and emotional experiences, often the bodily world in which we live. And you can share that through poem reciting and learning from poems, the language that stimulates the senses of the listener, because words carry meaning and they carry emotion and they can raise emotion. So imagery is really important. And then in poet uh, reciting and poems in general, you have a lot of comparisons of, for example, similes or metaphors. Mm -hmm. And a simile is, I mean, uh, by that, that, you know, something is like something, that's a simile. Or something is X, Y, or Z, that's a metaphor. So reading poetry gives you a ton of unusual and fresh or accurate or even surprising metaphors and imagery. So with poems, you can practice uh, giving examples and metaphors that are not cliche. Mm -hmm. And thirdly, poem gives your speech music. It gives you rhythm. Because mm. if, if you think about rhyme, for example, it gives you a rhythm that captivates the audience or alliteration and assonance. They all give music to the way you speak. And that captures the attention of the listener and takes her or him with you. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned three points, uh, imagery. The second is similarity. Yeah, comparison. Comparison, yes. comparisons, and the third is uh, music, no? Music, yeah, the, words of music, yes. Words of music, yeah, excellent. Um, yeah, we mentioned uh, earlier about uh, also in debates you can use uh, the power of poetry for doing more effective debates. That came to my mind, this movie, The Great Debaters, have you watched it? Sorry? Have you watched the movie, The Great Debaters? No, I haven't seen that yeah. one. Please tell me more. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. It's, um, it's about a group of um, well, black people in a place in Texas in the times of segregation. But there in one college, there was one, actually, the one, one lecturer who was a poet. And he was leading a team of debaters who were winning debating competitions across the United States. And... Yeah, that's is is a definitely a, a great combination because uh, poor debated. If you if you watch this movie, you see how they use the the voice up and down. They they use the the most um, uh, use this imagery for for the the right words to use when you are uh, sh uh, telling your your arguments. Fantastic! I truly believe that poems understand us and. They have us understand more about ourselves and others because they enrich our minds in a way that we can't um, truly experience everything in our lives. But through poems, we can experience different worlds, whole new um, areas of, of life or not even the life of this planet. We can travel into the worlds that don't even exist. And that adds to the imagination mm -hmm. of us and I think creativity is a way of connecting with others in, in that place where poetry really, in a very concise manner, packs in uh, an experience that we can um, be moved or consoled or inspired 
by others and find common ground, uh, how could that not be uh, effective in in speaking to other people? Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. The most of the or the the best the best poems have this uh, that they come um, put stories or emotions in very in in, in few words, but the like the best possible words used for expressing such a, such an emotion or story. And you mentioned also metaphors. That's pretty, was a pretty good piece of advice. I use the metaphors that are fun in poems are, are not cliche or more, um, are better uh, created than other simpler cliche metaphors. Yes. But that's, but that's one thing that, for most of uh, most of people is um, is tricky to to deep uh, to go deep into the poems because some poems are of course uh, hard to understand if you are not used to read uh, often uh, so what would you say about that how to find uh, these metaphors easily in poems if you just go to to the library and pick one book of poems yeah that's a um, a good question because i have many experiences or of of reading poems that I don't understand. <laughs> and the instant emotion uh, that I go through is annoyance. <laughs> I think about why, why has this poet written a poem um, so difficult? And through my years of, of reading poetry and reciting poetry, I've come to the realization that I have not been ready to understand mm. the poem yet. Or in my life, um, as a person, I haven't. Uh, grown into or acknowledged some areas of me and myself, um, some vulnerabilities or inadequacies um, that don't resonate with the poem yet. So there are many occasions that I have read a, a book of poems that I have not understood and I've left it for years. And then one day I, I opened the book again and all of a sudden it really speaks to me. So I think um, it is a matter of, of time and place in your life where you're at, the experiences that you've lived through that really either capture or, or not um, the kind of shared common ground of what the poem's experience is telling you. So I would say that you know, can, you can go and, and search for metaphors in poems, but in this t- day and age uh, where our lives are pretty uh, fast-paced, poets um, can really show us why we should slow down, why we need to be in silence. And in silence, I mean be with ourselves, be with the world we're experiencing so just trying to find and copy, copy-paste, which is <laughs> often what we might do in, in our hasty lives, that doesn't really work with uh, poems and uh, really taking in the message of the poem uh, or the metaphor that the poem is conveying. So sitting with, being with, um, really, really tr- tasting or smelling or feeling what the poem is um, conveying is necessary in order for that to really sink in and be useful mm-hmm. in our in different situations. Sure, sure. It's um, it's a it's a good reason to slow down and well enjoy the the, the poem and and, and get it, understand it. So, what happens if someone 
uh, already uh, thinks that it's a good idea, what you're saying, that for a speaker, practicing poetry can be beneficial. So what are good practices for that about reading poetry? How can you be good at reading poetry and make the most of that for something else? Right. Well, first of all, you go into the search of a poem that you would like to read or recite. And sometimes it's reading through several, several books, or it's just opening one book and that poem can truly speak to you in that moment. It's something that doesn't leave you alone. Um, whatever the case is, the first stage is to really get to know the poem. And it is like getting to know a person. So you read the poem out loud, you read it by yourself um, several times, and you try to understand the experience that the poem is conveying. And in my article that I've been writing about the experiential and communicative nature of, of poem reading, I've uh, analyzed about, mm, it's over 70 Uh, experiences of poem readers themselves mm -hmm. who are describing what they do uh, in order to perform a poem. So what the process is. And it's very interesting how they use these very physical terms in describing the process. So I mentioned before um, the tasting, uh, the feeling, the smelling, the movement um, that becomes very practical in trying to get the experience of the poem to be your experience as a poem reader. And a lot of the, the poem readers also say that they travel with the poem that they've just um, got to know. So they take it outside and try to see the poem live in people or animals or trees or the nature that they see around. So they look at people walking past in the city or they look at people on a tram stop and think, what would these words of the poem mean to that person? So if you see an old man on a park bench, what will these words communicate as that person? So if that experience was, was in that man's body, what would it say and how that experience would um, kind of come out in these words. And then when you've kind of tried out uh, the poem through others and through yourself in your sensory experience, then you start practicing it out loud with the rhythm. So you, you kind of go through uh, an experience of how words make you feel. So you, when you say them aloud, they carry a meaning. So you start trying out whether the rhythm needs more pace or whether you need mm -hmm. to slow down. What does a pause mean? What does it do to a message if you keep a pause after the first verse or the second verse or in the middle of the words? How does it change the message you're conveying? And this is a, a kind of a practice that is very personal too. So sometimes people feel like they have to leave the poem for a while So I re refer to it as um, developing a relationship. And often it feels like <laughs> if you kind of um, have this first love to a poem and then all of a sudden when you're trying to break it down, it doesn't make sense anymore. So you have to kind of take a break from it and just let your mind 
uh, your intuition to to work on it for a while and then take it up again and try it. And I I do underline um, in this practice to practice aloud because when you practice aloud, the emotions that are conveyed in the words that the poet wrote, they really give you the best feedback on what the message is and how it should be um, delivered. Mm -hmm. Yes, as you said, sounds that uh, reading poetry is very physical after all be besides yes. we're talking about the words just just words but when you uh, when you read it, it becomes very physical and um, reading out loud of course is like, uh, i couldn't agree more with that uh, because, and also it's, mm -hmm. it's interesting with poems um if you think about performing a poem uh it's important to to remember And I'm hesitating to say, remember that this is something that always happens. But in my experience and in the experiences of poem readers that I've analyzed, um, I've come to a realization that a poem, when it's performed, it comes alive in front of an audience, but it will never become ready, not even in front of an audience. So when you perform a poem, it's never done. It is just an experience in that moment of that experience. So basically, the poem reader experiences the experience of a poem um, in that recitation um, situation. But if you would do it um, another time, it would be a different experience. So that's the, the wonderful thing about both poems and interaction with the audience It teaches you every time something new about you, about life, about others. And it's truly an ultimate way to connect with the audience because you're communicating a shared experience of being a human being or being a being in the world. Mm -hmm. And tell us now how your experience, uh, your own experience of reading poetry has affected your delivery as a speaker. Well, I would say that it has given me a lot of courage to explore the nonverbal aspects of communication and public speaking. I often in my training see people being rather hesitant in using their body and using all the nuances of their voice, what voice can do um, to not only what you're saying, but how you're saying it. And I think maybe the most concrete example where poetry has has helped me um, was when I was interviewed for the Finnish broadcasting company, Ule, mm -hmm. uh, and their morning show about my research. And the show is structured in a way that every half an hour they have um, the news and the news always start at a, at a specific time. So this was a couple of years ago when my doctoral dissertation came out and my segment was going to be about maybe nine minutes long. And it was meant to end right before the 7.30 a.m. Mm -hmm. news. And the host of the show, she had told me that she would ask me the last question, which would be for me to give a tip for giving good support. And that would be her last question. And then we would slide into the news. And I knew how important it was to really hit the mark because the news always start at the same time. So whatever, mm -hmm. if I go on and on and on, they'll <laughs> cut me off. So the journalist was wonderful. We had a great conversation. She had really um, done a lot of research on 
on the topics that I had been studying. And then it became the time that she uh, looked at me. We were sitting uh, opposite to each other. And she said, well, give us one tip uh, to finish off how to become a better support provider. And I smiled back and said, well, you should at least start with listening. And then I was looking at uh, at her and she looked at me back and motioned with her nonverbal um, communication to please go on, say something, we're not ready. And she said, uh, and what is that? listening exactly and my mind just hit blank and I thought oh my gosh um what to say what to say at this point and I said something along the lines of well you listen actively and empathically you communicate with your whole body that I'm here and even if I don't find the words I won't steer away from the situation I won't fear your emotion so The last sentence was maybe a little more poetic uh, in Finnish than what it is in translation into English. But in that moment um, where I couldn't rationally come up with a sentence, my poetry background helped me to come with something um, surprisingly eloquent, even in my own uh, mind. And I got a lot of feedback for the interview afterwards. People wrote to me saying that they were particularly moved by the recommendation I gave in the end of the interview, that it really truly spoke to them. And it met them in some way in their hearts and in their hurt and longing to be seen. And it wasn't just what I said, it was also how I said it, because I truly believed what I said. And that is something that I never forgot. And I truly, truly think that it was due to um, my experience of of reading poems that um, it came out the way it did. So you closed with a verse. Yes, <laughs> I guess so. I guess Very so. elegant. And it's it's truly credit to um, the poets that I've um, read and recited in my life rather than myself. <laughs> wow, excellent. Yeah, what a fantastic story. Wow. And now you mentioned interviews in the media and you are also um, coaching people for how to be interviewed in media what can you tell us about this well a lot of times i see people um, in this um, situation of being experts of some kind whether you're uh, representing your company or you're a researcher and you need to convey a message of, of, of intention uh, or tell the story of the company, give news or respond to news. And um, we live in a very audiovisual world mm-hmm. and people tend to feel quite anxious about performing and giving interviews in the audiovisual media. And you're also given quite a little time these days. So the time frame is quite narrow uh, in which you have time to explain yourself or give information. Sure. Mm-hmm. And my maybe best, most important tip is to, is to approach the situation of being interviewed as a conversation. So 
imagine that you're engaging in a conversation with a journalist who's interviewing you, even though it might feel like a very um, kind of uh, unnatural situation or they're asking you tough questions. But the way that you're engaging engaging in a conversation lets the audience um, in to kind of um, be joined in the conversation rather than it being an interrogation. <laughs> so how you do that is you show that you're listening actively and this comes through your nonverbal communication. So take eye contact and give feedback by nodding and um, having a lively facial expression variety. So you don't always have an opportunity to say something in return. For example, if the journalist is setting a scene before asking a question or when they're making a summary. But in these moments, you have a chance to communicate nevertheless because there are reaction shots and those are important to remember. So it means that when you're not talking, the camera may still be aimed at you. Mm -hmm. And again, practicing and rehearsing talking aloud is key. It's it's just the best thing to do. And I, I find that all the household, uh, household um, chores are really good for this, especially doing the dishes. Uh, I <laughs> often pretend that I'm being interviewed about a wide range of topics that I know a lot about or I know very little about or topics that are very personal. And when you hear yourself talking about various subjects, it will not be as nerve wracking if you are in a situation where interviewed about those things, because you won't be surprised by a question or your emotions won't surprise you. And also, I think it's important to remember that if the, the situation for you is um, anxiety arousing, it most certainly is that for the other participants as well. So you can have empathy towards, for example, the journalist. So both of you are trying to really give the best impression of yourself. So if you're engaging in that conversation, like an interaction rather than interrogation or trying to just answer from your own, own point of view, um, I think it's way better to um, support the other person in that conversation for it to uh, ease out for both of you. Yeah, that that's excellent piece of advice. I I agree because the the interviewer might be struggling to find good questions or remember what he researched about you the day before. No, so it's even though it might look cool, relaxed, very professional, but inside can be as you. So it's, exactly, it's <laughs> yeah. Interaction always takes two two people always. <laughs> yeah, well said. Ira, could you now share with us what is your favorite quotation? Well, happily, um, this is a quotation that really spoke to me uh, when I was writing my, my research on supportive communication and men's friendships. And from then on, I found that this quotation um, really is applicable to um, a lot of, or maybe all of the situations that we are with other people. And this includes situations of public speaking so what is most personal is most universal and this is by by uh, psychologist and communication theorist carl rogers and what that quotation means to me mm -hmm. um, is that things that we think are 
most personal to us that we might feel super vulnerable about. We don't want to share with other people because we think that um, then we would be exposed to the whole world. Those are actually the same concerns that everybody else is having. And in that sense, we can truly feel that we're connected and we're one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it refers a lot at, about your experience with the interviewer. Mm. Could you yeah. now could you now recommend us uh, one book that has been particularly inspiring or influential for you? Well, I think I have to go back to Pablo Neruda that I mentioned in the uh-huh. beginning. Yes. Um, one of the poems uh, in his book of 20 love poems and a song of despair um, is called Tonight I Can Write the Saddest Lines. And this was a poem that I performed for the Chilean embassy in Finland uh, in the celebrations for Pablo Neruda. And it has been a poem that really has spoken to me in in various times in my life. I think Pablo Neruda wrote it when he was only 19. So the poem is a love poem, but it can be performed in in many, many different ways. And in that book, I find that a person who was young when writing the poems, um, those poems still uh, carry the test of time or they can really overcome all Kind of different decades of of my experiences of of love and living and um, even hurt and pain and and talk to those experiences and I can learn from them. So I truly recommend reading reading his poems. In which language did you read read it in Finnish or Spanish? Sorry? In which language did you read it? Oh, I read it in Finnish, but I've also read. Um, the the particular poem that I mentioned, I've uh, read it in English, and I've also performed that poem in English. Now that I um, recall, yeah, so cool. See, yeah, that's a definitely beautiful, beautiful poem. Finally, could you share with us one exercise, something practical that you recommend us doing a daily or weekly, a routine to shine. Well, at this point, I would definitely have to say that when you find a favorite poem, learn it off by heart and visit that poem regularly. So when you know a poem and kind of talk to it on occasion, it really reflects back to different sides of yourself and gives you wisdom, advice about life. And I find that a truly a, an enriching experience. And taking long walks without really a destination mm-hmm. and just going there with the poem, it really becomes your friend, your mentor, something, somebody to walk with, um, giving you wisdom that comes from, from within. And I think that's, that's truly amazing. You got, you got to memorize the poem. Well, it does help, but you can bring it in a note uh, I I carry uh, little pieces of paper uh, with poems in them in my wallet. So sometimes when I don't want to take out my phone, uh, when I'm sitting in a, let's say, dentist's office, I read those little poem notes. And they uh, they sometimes give me more meaning than just flipping through Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure they, I'm sure they do. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Ira. It was a very fascinating and artistic interview. It was a pleasure talking with you. Could you finally tell us how our audience can 
learn more about you, about your work, how to follow you, what are the best ways? Well, you can find me um, hopefully very soon on YouTube with my TEDx talk. Um, I gave a TEDx talk in an event for kindness. So that will be uh, probably linked on this website. And also, of course, um, via the University um, of Tampere websites, you can follow my research. But in Instagram and Twitter, um, I am ira.virtanen. Uh, and I share there um, the findings of my research and what's coming up next. Excellent. Definitely, we want to know what's coming next. So again, thanks Thank a lot. <laughs> and all the best. You too, Oscar. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Did you like it? Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or visit us at timetoshinepodcast.com. Until next time.